You bring up what you want, toll free at 800-259-9231. We're launching hour number one. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. The packet 8.net toll free line is 800-259-9231. And of course, you can bring up anything. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. Going to start things out here um, tonight with, well... There's some news, I suppose, about this whole national security letter situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone has uh, been paying attention to this. If you haven't, it may behoove you to pay attention because you might get one of these national security letters. It's possible. There have been a lot of people who've gotten them. That's for darn sure. Thousands. I believe they've issued thousands of these letters. And essentially what they do... As I understand it, we're going to hear here in a moment from somebody who has actually received one of these letters and knows exactly what it's like to get them. But essentially, it's the federal government uh, under the Patriot Act. They're acting under the Patriot Act, supposedly. Uh, the federal government sends out this national security letter to you as a business owner or somebody somebody with information that they would like to acquire. And once you get this particular letter... You are not allowed to talk to anybody about the fact that you got the letter. Right. The letter's a big secret, and you're in trouble if you talk about it. Right. If you talk about it, then you're probably going to be a unlawful enemy combatant picked up and thrown into a secret military brig somewhere. I, I don't mean, know what's going to happen to you, but you can believe they won't be happy. People are scared. And you're already on their radar this. when they send that letter to you. Right. So uh, I want to get into the details of the letter itself. But first... Talk about how, uh, actually, maybe we'll hold off Robert Mueller's, uh, this is the FBI director, what he has to say about them, his defense of this practice. I think I'm going to hold that off until we actually hear from the guy who had this letter sent to him. Now, again, this has happened uh, an almost uncounted number of times. The FBI makes a claim as to how many times it's happened, but... How do you know? We don't know. If we're not allowed to tell anyone if we receive this letter, how can we know how many have been sent? And um, it's just like the, their sneak and peek thing that they've got going. They they aren't obligated to, to tell you anything. They're supposed to tell you, but they're not going to tell you what um, if if they don't feel like it. The, and what the FBI has been doing uh, to violate the it, they violated the Patriot Act, if you can believe that mm-hmm. crap. Um, the, the Patriot the, Act, which, which it, expanded right. their powers, they violated it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are going to trust these people that violated the Patriot Act, I, I I don't know. You're just a fool, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. So let's tell his story, because it is just full of absolute fear. And this is what I find the most interesting about this, beyond the fact that the federal government has, is operating way outside of constitutional bounds at this point. I mean, that's tried and true. We pretty much know that about them at this point. But the, the abject fear that this man has of actually stepping out and revealing himself for who he is, which he can't do, uh, this is a letter to the Washington Post that the Washington Post did a little bit of research and they managed to verify the claims. and So this is legitimate. Um, but this man is so frightened, and he's not the only one. Because it's the Washington Post story, I feel obligated to uh, read their little caveat uh, um, in the beginning of it. It is the policy of the Washington Post not to publish anonymous pieces. In this case, an exception has been made because the author, who would have preferred to be named, is legally prohibited from disclosing his or her identity in connection with receipt of a national security letter. Right. The he post- could do it. He could uh, 
reveal his identity, right. but he's scared. We say he in the uh, uh, in the sense that we don't know what the gender is. Correct. Right. The Post confirmed the legit- legitimacy of this submission by verifying it with the author's attorney and by reviewing publicly available court documents. This is actually a little bit lengthy, so I want to take a call because it just rolled in here. Let's go to the phones, and then we'll get to this man's story because it is incredible. Uh, first, to Lou in Delaware, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hi, guys. Um, hey, Lou, what's up? My story. Um, yesterday, I was working at my liquor store, right? Okay. And uh, I was talking to my manager, and she was telling me about how I have to take this training course to uh, get certified to know, like, how to check IDs and, you know, what the laws are, which is required by my state, right? Sure. And right as she's doing that, this woman walks in the store, this tall woman. She's dressed in, like, these very revealing clothes that show a lot of skin. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm really tired and really hungry, and I'm about to go on break. All right. And as I'm about to walk away, this woman, she walks up to the counter, and I start to ring this stuff up. And I was just so tired, I forgot to. She looked, and she looked about thirty. Mm. I forgot to check for the ID, even though I probably should have. But she looked, she looked way over twenty-one. Is it one of those states where you're in Delaware? Is that one of the states where you have to check ID if they look under the age of fifty or whatever? Well, here's the thing: I hadn't been to the training program yet, so I don't even know. Mm. So that's <laughs> so. So, here, so that's that's the real kicker. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, Lou. <laughs> right. But, see, here's, but here's what happened. Um, so I'm ringing her up. I ring up the stuff, and I realize right after I do that, oh, I, I faltered for a second. I didn't ask for the ID first. She takes the stuff, and she quickly runs out of the store. And I'm, it's not like I'm at a restaurant where I can be like, oh, I, for, I forgot to check your ID. Can you just, you know, if you didn't, you know, do it in the first five seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. But when it's a liquor store, you don't give them the alcohol. They already have the alcohol. Right. So they can just take it. If it, You know, you don't have to hand it to them. Right. They're, they can just take it and run out if you don't right away ask for the ID. But she paid, correct? She paid. Okay. And uh, I, right as I was doing that, I realized I forgot to check for the ID because I was just so tired. Oh, man. And I had a moment of uh, lapse in judgment. But here's the thing. And the manager says, oh, gosh, you... You, you didn't check the ID. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened. It's never happened to me before. I check all the IDs, and I've never had anyone under 21. Oh, wait, I, didn't you just start? I got the, uh, the, uh, the feeling that you just started this job. Um, yes, this is the other thing. I just started the job. I'd only been working there a week. I see, but you've worked in uh, food service to where you have checked IDs in the past. No, never before. No. Oh, okay. I've never had any training by the state. I was about to go to my training program, which I'm required to take two days after this. So, so what, I hadn't had the training yet from the state on how to do it. So what happened? Well, what happened is I, I realized that I didn't give her the I, I didn't check the ID, and I'm like, well, this is the first time it's ever happened to me. I'm sure nothing as bad is going to happen. It's just one, and she looked like she was 30 anyway. Next thing I know, police come in. Oh man, <laughs> bust in, and he's like, you just sold to someone under 21, and not only was she. She was under. She was twenty. She was about to turn twenty-one, mm-hmm. and they picked somebody that would look the oldest possible. Sure. Yep. Yeah, I used and to work in retail too, and that's how it always came. They used to send stings in every couple of weeks, and um, they would always pick someone who had a, a beard and looked like they were 
over 18 if they're buying cigarettes and over 21. Uh, I got to keep the kids safe, you know. Oh yeah. Right. But see, here's the thing. I, I was looking. A lot of states have laws against that. They say you can't. You have to send someone that looks under 21, and they can't have a beard. And if it's a woman, she can't wear this or that. Were, were you charged? Yes, I was charged. What's the uh, what is the offen- uh, the so-called offense? I selling to a minor. And what is it? A felony or a misdemeanor or? I, I think it's a misdemeanor. So what are you looking at here? Do you have to go to court? What's uh, what's the status? Well, yeah, I have to go to court in a couple of weeks. But the um, the officer he asked me. He said, "Give me your card that shows you're certified." And I said, "I'm have, I'm about to go to the courts like tomorrow. I haven't gone yet, and you're busting me now." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, we'll let you off this. We'll let you off easy this time. Instead of jail time for a year, we'll just give you probation." Holy crap! Probation, and then now you're gonna have a record for it. Yep. Well, he said that he said if I don't do anything during probation, they're gonna they're gonna erase it from my record. Yeah. What well, a favor. I, he's a cop, and first of all, you don't believe a word cops say. They'll lie up and down. Um, right. That's just because how that's how they're trained. Right. But I'm freaking out of my mind because I I can't go to sleep and everything. So I go home, and I can't believe all this happened to me so quick. I haven't had the training yet. I just started working. They mm-hmm. come in and bust me. So I look up the laws about what they're allowed to do, right? And it turns out the Supreme Court, not the Supreme, well, the Supreme Court has laws, but there's these articles about just this exact situation happening and what they're allowed to do and what, they're, what, what they're, they can do and they can't. It's okay. in, considered entrapment, right? Yep, yeah. I follow. Okay. Well, the thing is, I think what they did to me was entrapment because they didn't show a history of me doing it. So I was considered the innocent... Uh, I see. There's no track record. Right. Yeah, I and understand. I've only been working there a week, so they can't. How could they possibly have a track record on me? Lou, do me they, a favor. Give us a yeah. call back as your case develops, and uh, let us yeah. know what continues on, what happens in your case. And thank you for the call. We appreciate it. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to attend leadership and activist training seminars, as well as socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. So register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T. Dot com. We just got off the phone with Lou in Delaware, and we'll get to the national security letters thing here in a moment. But we spent most of the time sort of having Lou tell his story and didn't really have a chance to comment on the issue. Just a recap, in case you're just tuning in, Lou uh, was new to a liquor store job. And he was so new that he hadn't gone through the little training seminar that they have that gives you tips and tricks as to how, not get, uh, how to not get caught in a police sting. Well, sure enough, first day on the job or whatever, uh, the police run a sting, and he was a little bit out of it because he was tired. He forgot to ask for the identification of the lady. It turns out she was under 21. Cops came in. They arrested him. Uh, they charged him. I don't know. I don't know if they arrested him, but they charged him. I suppose you could charge someone without arresting them. Is that a possibility? Or do you have to arrest someone in order to, to charge? Uh, if, if you've been given a charge, you've been arrested, but you don't have to be booked. So they can just give you a court date and say, sure. okay, a speeding up. ticket is an arrest. Got it. Um, so in this case, he, uh, he's he got a misdemeanor crime of selling alcohol to a minor, and I just feel like this needs to go away. 
and it needs to go away soon because essentially no one was harmed in this particular transaction. Uh, you're dealing with someone who, on a voluntary basis, came in to purchase alcohol. They were sold alcohol on a voluntary basis. I don't understand what the issue is, why we have to keep uh, essentially harassing store clerks for just simply dealing a product. Uh, I mean, it's outrageous to me. I really don't understand it. I mean, I don't know how many of these go on across the country, but just based on the ones that I've seen going on here in Keene, I know that there's literally millions of these going on every year. Do Waste- parents see this? Do parents see the news stories about this? Because inevitably, the police are doing this to show everyone how great they are. They're showing the voters and they're showing citizens, we're out here protecting your children. I mean, that's what the sort of the message is by them doing this. But do people, people really see a news article about this and say, yeah, the cops are really doing a great job protecting kids from alcohol. Well, when the news stories come out, it's usually an inch by two inches long for the whole True. story. After busting, it just lists the, the places. The person who got busted. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fundraising for the, um, for the police department. It is. Um, they, get, they get money out of the deal. And, uh, does the store have to pay a fine in that particular case? Yes, I would they imagine do. they do. Yeah, it, it increases every time. You know, and right. it's, It just hurts small businesses. I mean, you look, I was looking at... Um, which ones worked here in Keene, and they got about 10 places in one day, each of them slapping them with a $500 first offense mm-hmm. fine. That's, that's a significant amount of fundraising they did that day. You know, the um, I was a couple of weeks ago. We were out in uh, L.A. and I talked to a, an Irishman, a uh, guy who was from Ireland. And he said, you know, as as long as you're able to pull yourself up to the bar stool um, in Ireland, you can order a beer. Um, it it does in Europe. They just don't care about the drinking age, and somehow life goes on there. They don't mm-hmm. have a rash of drunk driving and all that stuff. Kids learn at an early age how to handle alcohol. They don't go through this whole binging thing. They don't die of alcohol poisoning like ours do. And I just I don't understand. I I don't know why we need it. Um, secondly, it's unrealistic too. I mean, look at kids today. I mean, they're they're all drinkers. Or there's a good percentage of them that are. I mean, probably well over 50% of high school seniors. I don't have the numbers in front of me. We've seen them before, and they're usually 60%, 64%. Right, we're not stopping them from drinking. And not only that, but I Was think that... Was that your second point? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the second point um, is is um, that, you know, that how many cops did they use for this little... Uh, this this a squad boondoggle. five of them or something something like that they had a certain amount there was definitely the girl um i don't right. know whether she was a cop or uh, whether she was something else i would imagine she was a cop they usually they, they just usually, hire a kid yeah they usually pay you like 50 dollars or something mm, well hey don't do that um but you know they had amount of, they had an amount of cops for this they probably went around and busted a few stores but you know they weren't busy they weren't going fast store to store to store as quickly as they possibly sure. could they wasted their afternoon you know messing with a few stores they got one bust um they i don't know they get a ticket for five hundred dollars maybe a thousand dollars out of the deal sounds about right couldn't they have used this five cop squad and we're just guessing at the number to work on some of the unsolved murders in town couldn't they have gone after some? Well, that's hard work. I mean, you actually have to find evidence and you know suspect. And what does the and what does the police department get at the end of it? There's Nothing. no cookie. You know, they don't right. get any money at the end of it all um, for getting it doesn't matter catching they, a murderer or a robber right, or something. Right, and there's no incentive for the police to go out and catch a murderer. I mean, if the police catch a murderer and they get to announce it in the newspapers, well, it doesn't really do anything for them. They don't get a pay raise if they catch a murderer, and they don't get a pay cut if they don't catch a murderer. Well, so it doesn't really matter if they catch the murderer. It will or not. be good for um, any cop to, you know, catch a murderer. Um, you know, the, the cop that catches a murderer, he gets a claim, and he's going to get move up the little mm-hmm. cop ladder uh, over time. But 
it's not the cops themselves that assign themselves. It's the brass. Yeah. They assign the cops, and whatever brass assigned um, assigned their cops to this, I feel like, you know, we would have been better served. The people of New Jersey would have been better served if they were out looking for somebody who had committed a robbery, somebody who was committing burglaries, somebody who was committing murders. You know, there are right, right. now there are a string of related burglary, burglaries in that town. I think you just want to put alcohol in the hands of kids. You know, most people. I don't. I don't have a problem with putting alcohol in the hands of, <laughs> hands of kids. And if I have a kid, I will put alcohol in their hands at a relatively young age so that they understand. I agree with you. What they're dealing That's with. That's a sensible thing to do. You know, I just wanted to make the quick point that most people who are drinking underage aren't going into stores and getting it. They're getting one of their older friends to buy it for them. Working in convenience for um, a couple of years, I only came across maybe one or two people who were not uh, uh, undercover cops or sting or whatnot Mm -hmm. coming in to buy underage. And there were more sting operations than there were actual underage people coming in to buy. Sure. Which just shows that this is really just a waste of time and a waste of, of money. Fundraising expedition eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It does work, and it needs to be. It needs to stop. Um, we need to lower the drinking age first and foremost. I think that might be the easiest way to do things. Uh, drop it from twenty one to eighteen. I'd like to see it go away. Uh, go away altogether. Let individuals decide. Let families decide what is the appropriate alcohol policy for their own children. Mm-hmm. And then let on on the other hand, you've got families. And then on the other hand, you've got uh, you've got the business owners. So then you let the business owners decide based on what families want and what the marketplace wants as to who they're going to sell to. If you go and open up your own corner store, you may make the rules. You can say. Oh, well, you know, I don't think that kids under the age of 18 should have alcohol, so I'm not going to be making those sales at my store because I care about kids, or whatever your excuse is. Let the marketplace decide. What's wrong with that? I would agree with you. I would make one caveat to the uh, drinking age being lowered to 18. One of the biggest complaints about the drinking age being at 18 is that, well, some high school seniors are 18, and they bring alcohol to school, and they give it to the other kids, and la, 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 la. If that's going to be your issue, then then lower the drinking age to 18 and a half, or, you know, the the June the 15th after their 18th birthday. I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know... Kids drinking at school is already against the rules. I so would think it was. So if you catch was. a kid with alcohol on his breath, then you discipline him. I'm just That's saying. That's the issue. It's an easier. It, it would it would solve that problem, and people could uh, get past that little hurdle in their mind. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, but then they'll just go to the next step and say, well, then they're nineteen, and they'll still have friends that are seventeen, and they'll still give their friends the alcohol, which is just an argument. They're already getting the it friends. Yes, exactly right. More on the way. Sam's call. Your calls as well. Bring up whatever you want. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the site. Download it at your leisure. It'll cost you nothing. Just go to freetalklive.com. April's Financial Literacy Month. Give, it's not April yet, but it soon will be. Um, give your child in, in, in your life um, financial literacy. Be they son, daughter, or sibling, A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach your kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. 
Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com. Or call 1-800-657-5066. That's 800-657-5066. To the phones. Let's talk to Scott in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with the Intobian Mark. Hello, Scott. Hey, how are you guys? Great. What's up? Uh, I This question is for Mark. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, it's a very uh, touchy subject. Okay. Uh, what do you think of... The private ownership of nuclear weapons. Man, um, th- it, it for one, I think that it, it runs into the ridiculous, right? It's very unlikely Absolutely. that a person will uh, uh, privately yeah, but, own. I mean, governments have nuclear weapons. Right, uh, governments do, but uh, you know, it, it seems unlikely that a person but, will. Yeah, I think it's like economically like redundant. I mean, it's like why would someone do it? But you, uh, the government shouldn't be regulating that. And the yeah, second thing that I think, and um, it, it, we do get into an area of difficulty because a prohibition causes a black market every single time. But I think that the owning of a nuclear weapon is a threat to everyone. Um, you, can't, you can't kill a person who is uh, trying to hurt you with a nuclear weapon. You can with a handgun. You can with a law's rocket, if, assuming they're in a, inside of a tank uh, or something like that. Um, you can with the tank. You can with just about every sort of weapon there is out there, but you can't with a nuclear weapon unless that person is in the middle of the Mojave Desert. No, no, the Mojave wouldn't work. On, in the, on the South Pole, in the middle of Antarctica, you might be able to kill just the person who's threatening you with a nuclear weapon. Scott, thank you for the call. Uh, you know what? I, you know, I was thinking about this as you were talking, and I realized that now that I've sort of understood, I, I understand this whole free market paradigm better than I did, say, a year ago or two years ago. I'm thinking uh, that the parts that one would need to put together a nuclear weapon, presumably you're going to have to get some sort of a uranium or something Uranium-223, right? Right. Uh, you're going to have to get something, some sort of radioactive isotope or whatever you need. I know that word isotope's involved. Right, from the science side. And no insurance company, no private protection agency is going to insure a man who's building a nuclear weapon in his garage. Similarly, I don't think an insurance company is going to insure a company that decides to go into business and sell uranium 223. I think that what you're going to what you'd see in a free marketplace is that uranium 223 probably be either either as difficult to get as it is today, if not more difficult. Because if a business just started openly selling a dangerous product like that, uh, on the marketplace, they would probably be shunned and completely uh, well, shut down by the That's uh, the in your uh, free market world where right. there is no government whatever. Um, I say that we need a law <laughs> to right, prevent... Right, because laws will stop you know, crazy people. Well, um, and you're saying insurance companies will? I mean, if a I'm crazy person it would make it really more... wants to build one, they will. Where does uranium-223 come from? I don't know. The uranium-223 store? I think they mine it. Right. Well, what you would have to do is, yeah, you would have to mine uranium, I guess, um, and then you would uh, you do something scientific to it to spin yeah. off uh, molecules to make the isotope, or not molecules, but uh, ne- uh, neutrons, like electrons. I went to, to government make, school. In order to make the isotope, and then you'd use the isotope in, in the making of the bomb, and somehow that splits atoms or something. Right, but somebody's got to get that uranium-223, and a scientist guy. What are the other reasons to, to even have uranium-223? Like, sus- beyond I, building nuclear reactors and that sort I of thing. I don't even know that that is necessarily one, but I know that you need like uranium for that. And, and maybe they 
in, they enrich the uranium somehow, and that makes the isotope? I don't know. Wouldn't you agree, though, that anybody who was going into that business would be very, very careful with who their clients were? I mean, you're in business to make money and continue living and uh, and helping people get the products they need and the services they need. You don't want to sell your product to a crazy man who's going to go and build a bomb in his garage. I mean, so you're going to be very choosy about your clients. Right. I mean, it's, it's sort of tantamount to um, selling a handgun to a guy who's like frothing at the mouth and has a, uh, you know seven days growth and some weird looking teeth and a, and a strange gleam in his eye, selling a yes. loaded handgun to him, basically handing it to him um, handle first and you know slipping his finger into the trigger there, um, and you know you're selling him the handgun for a really great price. Let's say you're getting you know triple the value of the handgun, you get fifteen hundred dollars for a five hundred dollar handgun from a guy who looks nuts, right. and he could kill you in the next minute with that handgun. Yeah, you know what I think is in this case, um, where we are today, we have governments and there are people that don't like us. So with our governments that we have set up, I think that there does need to be laws. But if you take away the governments and we are in a free market system, like the hypothetical system, I don't think that there would be need for nuclear bombs. I mean, if there's no governments, why would people want them? That's a great. That's a great point. Well, um, there's no nothing to necessarily attack. There's no infrastructure to to take over. Um, in in that particular instance, and I, I agree. Eight hundred two five nine ninety. The caller was asking me, so I imagine that means that he's asking somebody who believes in small government as opposed to no government. Presumably, but presumably we all get to answer. Everybody anyway. gets to answer, right? And uh, so once again, having a law in place isn't necessarily going to do anything to restrict the individual who's made it his mission in life. See now, when you to say acquire these nuclear weapons, anything to restrict, you're not being fair. Um, you're, uh, because drugs are are currently restricted by the laws, they uh, there fewer people are doing, um, in fewer people that would want to purchase it today are able to do so because drugs are restricted. I don't know if that's the case. You're saying that if people... I wanted to go out and get cocaine tonight mm-hmm. just for the fun of having a cocaine party at my house, but you know normally I wouldn't want to do right. this. You know I, I just want to do it tonight. I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd go get arrested is what would happen. I don't know about that, Mark. You know what? You, maybe you couldn't get it tonight, but you might be able to have it in your hands by the end of the week. I, I, Depends on who you talk to and who you know, and uh, the laws sure as hell wouldn't stop it. That's my point. 800-259-9231. All right. Speaking of laws, the national security letters are encoded into the Patriot Act. This is, as you know, a very large law that was passed um, shortly after the September 11th attacks. And it was in a direct response to the attacks, and for some reason they'd already had it written up. They just sort of pulled it out of a file and uh, put it out there, and people voted on right, it. Right, just just right after 9-11 they managed to get this thing going. And of course a lot of people are... 700 are, pages of it. A, a lot of people are very rightly so against the, con- the contents of the Patriot Act, and we've focused in the past on some of the individual things that it so-called authorizes, and one of those things is the concept of the national security letter. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Um, But I'm going to switch reverse gears here because I know this is a long sort of story. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we get it all in into the same hour. So we'll talk about the FBI's perspective on this. The Associated Press reporting today that Director Robert Mueller struggled Tuesday to convince skeptical senators that despite recent abuses, the FBI should retain Patriot Act authority to gather telephone, email and financial records without a judge's approval. He says the statute didn't cause the errors, the FBI's implementation did. The FBI chief told the Senate Judiciary Committee, see, what you're going to see here is his tactic is 
that he's taking responsibility for the mistakes that the FBI made with all these national security letters and all the other things that they they broke the law. They went outside of even the Patriot Act to do. So he's going to you're going to hear him apologize for that and then say, "But, you know, that's okay. We're going to make it right now. So please leave us with all these powers." You can trust us, really. Right. Right. We've trust already screwed it up. Right. Trust us now. Now that I'm admitting we botched it up. You know, it's it's kind of like letting your teenager um Go out, you know, it's it's not exactly like the teenager thing, but sort of letting your teenager go out um, till 2 o'clock in the morning one night for a very special occasion. They, I don't know, come back drunk, stoned uh, with syphilis, mm-hmm. and uh, then they say, well, you know, please, let me go out next week till 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll be good this time. You know, now, in the case of a teenager, you need to ground them for a period of time, and they are going to turn 18, so they'll be able to go out as late as they want right. anyway. In the case of the FBI, well, they're never going to get any better. 1-800-259-9231. But Robert Mueller says they will, and we'll give some more quotes from him. Your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. You believe him, don't you? Don't you? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything sold free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net sold free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. We do ask you to support the show on a voluntary basis by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, for instance. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program. It's a very simple concept. stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in 3 bucks a month to the show, and we turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live. To get Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country, to get more Internet listeners on board with the program, uh, so head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what it's all about. Learn how we're spending the money. Learn about some of the perks that you'll get access to, like the Free Talk Live studio cam. In fact, ex- that's not a pe- perk anymore. That's available to everybody at cam.freetalklive.com. But the amplifiers are the only ones that have access to the special cam chat room. So cam.freetalklive.com to see the studio cam and amp.freetalklive.com to help us amp the show. And we're talking about the Pentagon and Robert Mueller, and the FBI, and defense, and terrorism, and the Patriot Act. Because in the Patriot Act, they have this uh, provision called the National Security Letter that essentially allows the FBI, and I think some of the other agencies, the other NSA, those guys, I think they can all use this National Security Letter in order to essentially get information, glean information from people, without ever having them reveal to anyone that they were ever contacted by the FBI. That's what's been going on, and there's been rampant abuse of this uh, because there's no checks and balances. There's nothing. I mean, it's it's way outside of constitutional muster in the first place, but beyond that, there's there's nothing at all as far as a uh, administrative check in the least on this. There's no judge that approves these. They can just send out anyone to any uh, anywhere to anybody at any time they want to. Well, it's national security. We can't let people in on what's going on. I mean, that would that would jeopardize America. Right, and that's what this guy is, uh, this Robert Mueller from the FBI. He sat in front of a Senate committee and defended, um, essentially, the national security letters and the entire Patriot Act, saying that we need to keep this thing around because, yeah, we screwed, uh, screwed up. Yes, we acted outside of our so-called authority. But you know what? We're going to be good now. So please let us continue uh, on the path that we're on. You know, if they hadn't gotten caught, they'd still be doing it. 
Grim-faced and sometimes even looking pained, Mueller testified at the panel's second hearing into a Justice Department Inspector General's report this month that revealed abuses in the FBI's use of documents called National Security Letters to gather data. Reviewing headquarters files in four of FBI, uh, four of 56 FBI field offices, the Inspector General found 48 violations of law or presidential directives during 2003 to 2005. He estimates there may be up to... 3,000 unidentified or unreported violations throughout the FBI. Amazing. Mueller said he'd instituted, he had instituted procedures for issuing these letters. Quote, what I did not do and should have done is put in a compliance program to be sure those procedures were followed. Now, of course, he's probably going to need some more money to put in the compliance program. Well, they're now, still trying to put a working computer program, um, program together for the they're FBI. They're trying to get email working, I think, still right. with the FBI. He's now devising a compliance program and has ordered an audit to determine the extent of the problem and to see if any agents should be disciplined. So they've already discovered there have been 48 violations of the law. And remember, the government claims that well, it's I'd all about law. Well, I'd say the national law. security letters themselves are should a violation of the law. Oh, okay. But they are. They the, are. The Constitution says in the Fourth Amendment that that that, that you need a warrant. Um, oh, naming, that old thing. Yeah, God knows we we don't want to have anything to do with the Constitution. Naming specifically naming, uh, you know, the things to be searched and what's being searched for. Well, right. You know, this is just amazing. I, when the Patriot Act first came out, everyone was talking about how it basically gives the government power to do whatever they want when when it comes to breaking the Fourth Amendment. How it is that they managed to break that law that gave them practically absolute power just shows how far their reach will it go. It really does. It You're shows, absolutely right. It shows, um, and, and as many times as they did it, it's a pattern. They have no intention of following any rules at all. They do not We care. are the FBI. We are the law enforcement. And you will do what we say. We are the law. They are the freaking SS. Miller had said he had instituted procedures, now devising a compliance program, quote, we are committed to demonstrating to the committee, the Congress, and the American people that we will correct the, defici- uh, the deficiencies. We're committed to demonstrating. I love political speak. Um, I mean, I, I don't really love it. I just I love looking at it and, and, uh, and sort of breaking it down and looking and, and understanding how meaningless it is. <laughs> Listen to this statement again. He's trying to assuage everybody here. Right. We're committed. Committed. To demonstrating to the committee and the blah, 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 that we'll correct the deficiencies. We're committed to demonstrating we'll do something in the future. I'm going to demonstrate to you. I'm committed to showing you that I'm going to do something in the future. That's what he's talking about. He says, I still have, uh, one of the senators said, I have very serious qualms. Mueller called the letters, quote, an indispensable tour, uh, tool for our conduct of terrorism investigations and began listing cases in which the letters were useful, including a plot against the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, you see, if you don't let us have this uh, unrequited power, then you're just going to die, The Brooklyn Americans. Bridge will blow up. Yeah. Interrupting, uh, Patrick Leahy said the panel could discuss individual plots later, including how serious a plot it was to take down the Brooklyn uh, Bridge. Government court documents acknowledge that the defendant is now serving 20 years in the case, advised al-Qaeda the plot would be futile. Citing the national security letters and recent Inspector uh, Inspector General criticism of an FBI reporting of terrorist cases, Spector said every time we turn around, there's another enormous failure by the Bureau. Is this news to these guys? (laughs) I mean... They seem somewhat shocked. Right. I mean, hello, it's the government. They fail every time they try to do anything. 
you know, um, I, I want to come to their defense and say when they don't fail, they just do things inefficiently. But, you know, inefficiency is failure, too. If my wife gave me, you know, told me to go out and buy a car and somehow I managed to go out and buy a $20,000 car for $80,000, I think she would consider me a failure in car buying. And she would never let me go out and buy a car again because I had just paid four times what that car was worth. But that's what the government does every single time it spends money on something. Yep. The government is a failure every single time. Mueller argued against some committee Democrats' suggestions to inject judicial approval into the national security letter process. Now, let's just let's recall here how this judicial approval stuff works. Were it actually to be part of the law, which it's not right now, they could just issue these national security letters just on a whim? Right. They, they, they basically write their own warrants. Um, they don't have a judge. Correct. You know, they don't have to swear and affirm anything in but front of a judge. But the, remember uh, the, uh, the wiretapping issue with the judges that were supposed to approve those things? Mm-hmm. These are rubber stamp courts. Uh, the, the judges don't care what it is you're bringing in front of them. I mean, even if they were to inject judicial approval into all of this, it wouldn't all of a sudden change the process beyond them having to spend an extra half an hour uh, or an hour or whatever to call the rubber stamp judge up to have him say, I approve. You're asking the the government to approve the government. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so under questioning by another senator, Mueller indicated he might trade the security letters for so-called administrative subpoenas, like those used in some drug or tax cases without prior approval of a judge. Mueller said it would be simpler to train agents to use administrative subpoenas than national security letters, which are governed by six different laws. He added that administrative su- subpoenas can be challenged in court by the recipient and unlike national security letters enforced in court by the government. So it sounds like they, uh, you know, he's saying, well, I'll accept sort of a somewhat nicer version of the national security letters. And finally, uh, let's see, national security letters first authorized in 1986 can be used to acquire email, telephone, and travel records and financial information like credit and bank transactions. In 2001, the Patriot Act eliminated any requirement that the records belong to someone under suspicion. Now an innocent person's records can be obtained if field agents consider them relevant to their investigation. They don't need any evidence whatsoever. And it just doesn't sound like the Fourth Amendment to me. Here, let me read it to you real quick. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, homes, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Well, this is reasonable. Not because. Shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue. But upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Well, they're going to say it's reasonable and necessary. It, it, it says, I'm sorry, probable cause. Well, this is necessary. It's terrorism. But it's probable cause. Well, we've got to keep the people safe. Probable cause. If the founding fathers... Well, this is, arrest this us. is it. This it, is it. The Bill of Rights. If th- There is no foundation oh, you can of hold your Bill of Rights. You can shake your Bill of Rights around. You, what are you going to do? Go arrest the FBI, How the Mark? hell are you going to be a law enforcement officer if you don't uphold the, the highest law in the land? This is the Constitution. All the other laws come after this one. These yeah, well, they don't stinking law that. enforcement officers are not law enforcement officers. They're a bunch of damn Nazis. If the Founding Fathers could have foreseen into the future, they wouldn't have done that. 1-800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Now, we're sitting here talking about the national security letter, but I don't think you really understand what the implications are like if you receive one of these things, and that's what we're going to look at next. In hour number two, you can take control of the airwaves. 
This is Free Talk Live, and I'm telling you, this stuff is frightening. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. It's all free. You know those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their websites? We do it for free. Freetalklive.com as we go to the phones. Uh, still want to talk about the national security letters, but taking your calls first. Of course, let's talk to Francisco in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Francisco. Francisco? Yes, hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah. Well, I haven't called in with a school story for a while, so I figured I'd call in today. All right. Well, today I was in uh, my first period class, and uh, the principal announced a lockdown drill, which is basically, you know, we get down the floor in a corner hoping that we don't get shot if there's anyone in the building. Right, the madman on campus sort of Yes. Okay, well, thing. we pretty much sat there for maybe an hour, and then the principal came on the speakers again and said, um, could teachers please resume to their normal teaching activities, but please do not allow any students out of the class. Okay. We had no idea what was going on. What if you have to go to the bathroom? Uh, they, a girl actually had to go to the bathroom, and... Uh, it was a surprise when a police officer came to the door and escorted her to the bathroom. Whoa. So, wow. Yeah. So, well, um, maybe 30 minutes later, they extended our first block class so we wouldn't have to leave the room. Mm-hmm. And then maybe an hour later, drug dogs came into the classroom. Oh, man. It turns out that we had a drug search. Wow. Is this the first one you've ever been through? So they used the drill for the madman on campus. What do they call that? A lockdown drill? They used the lockdown drill um, to to, to camouflage a drug raid on the school? I guess so. My God. That's what happened. And uh, so basically they just, the dog sniffed past the door and then we were sent to lunch. Wait, so the dog didn't even come into the room? He just went by the door? Yeah, this time. And then we were sent to lunch. And uh, during lunch, there were cops all over the lunchroom. We had no idea what was going on, you know? Then uh, we changed classes, and uh, they started calling people down to the office. They basically searched all 250 students. This is, wait, 250 students is your, the size of your entire high school? Yeah. Okay, so relatively small school. Yeah, but they basically, like, they didn't get to uh, search the last people because, like, the day ended before they did. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was thinking, if they call me down, I refuse to be searched, you know? Right. So, um... So you didn't make, they didn't call you? No, 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 not me. But a lot of my friends either got arrested for marijuana... Oh, man. ...suspended because they had cigarettes or a lighter. A lighter? Suspended also, for a lighter? Yes. yes. Huh. Also, they had to, uh, every senior or anyone who could drive a car to school had to open their car and let the drug dogs... Every single person? That had a car on the premises had to. Wow. Now, we're dealing with this entire high school, so 250 people divided by four, you're looking at, you know, roughly 60-some people, basically, uh, in each grade level, correct? Uh, around there, yeah. So there, there aren't that many seniors left, though, maybe 20 at the most. 
Wow. You know what? I mean, hello, parents. Do you still want your kids in government schools? Because this is what they're doing with their day. How much learning could possibly have gone on in a day like this? Oh, basically none. We were just, you know, sitting there wanting to know what's happening. Now, Mark, as a man who spent uh, nine years in prison, uh, does this ring any bells? Well, it it has that sort of... uh shakedown, lockdown feel. Right, didn't they do, don't they like check out your bunks and your uh, your rooms in prison, that sort of thing? They they do, but usually they uh, they don't, unless there's some, sus, um, some for some reason to suspect a dorm or a uh, a quad, which would be a portion of a dorm, one mm-hmm. quarter of a dorm, go, go figure, quad and everything. So they wouldn't do an entire search of the entire facility, they would just they, target no, one guy or one room. The only reason that they would lock down a whole facility would be because there's uh, been some sort of riot. So in a way, this is actually... More restrictive so, than yeah, what had gone on in prison. Worse than prisoners. Right. Well, um, they're just. I think that the prison guards are just better at it, you know, <laughs> or lazier. <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, no. It's, well, I don't know if it's necessarily that they're better. The prison guards are targeting certain prisoners for whatever reason. They know that if they search the entire prison, they'd find drugs. They just don't right. care. They're only targeting certain ones. Whereas these guys, they want to. They want to cut a wide, as wide a swath as they possibly can, to where they can discover as many people with marijuana as as they can. Yep, and this just lays down the foundation for the police state. Uh, the, this is the police this, state. But the and students you know in the classes are being conditioned to think that this is okay. Dude, good point. I mean, and you know what? And I was talking to a lot of my friends that got searched, and they're like, wait, I could say no? Maybe, well, maybe a, not. I don't you know. Can, I don't know if it's your body. No, you can say no. There's always going to be reper- repercussions. Right. You right. can but, say no. What they do to you after that point, who knows? Right. Right. But I, I was bound on saying no. You know, like, I, I had nothing on me, but I yeah, was you might as well you might as well do it just to see what happens. Absolutely, I mean, the worst case scenario is you're suspended or expelled from government school, right? And uh, you go on to whatever um, you know adult school there is out there. Now, if you're one of these bright minds, scholars or whatever, if you've got a scholarship on the line for some um, state school, that might be an issue. You wouldn't want to lose that um, by getting expelled. But, um, you know, the average student, most students don't get those. The average student doesn't really have much to lose because right. the government's still going to provide them with one of these adult school sort of programs. Yeah. Very good. Francisco, any other uh, stories for well, us? Yeah. Well, the, the one thing that I found interesting is yeah. that out of the 250 kids, 184 either got arrested or suspended. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yep. <laughs> wow, they have a, I'm reeling from that at this point. They, they really have a hell of a, a ratio there. So, so you're saying that... 250, 184. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you consider it, it they were they arrested people who had uh, lighters, cigarettes, or marijuana. Cigarettes, marijuana, and also uh, I believe two kids were found with knives. But right. So yeah, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So they didn't actually get to check all the kids either. There are 250 no. kids in the school, but they no. didn't actually search all of the 250 of them. They only no, got through a portion. We, right. There's something yeah, like 66 like, percent. We 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 got to leave before. Everyone searched. So, Everyone searched. did everybody come back the next day, and the rest of the kids were searched, or this well, was no, no, today? No, no, this happened today. This was today. Okay, yeah. so basically, you said 184 kids were either suspended or arrested, but uh, how yeah. many kids of the 250 were searched? 190? Uh, I'm not sure. I right, because it wasn't all 250. We know that much. You right. didn't get checked. Right, but what, what did they do with all these students? I mean, 250 kids at a high school sounds like a relatively small we, town. We, we, we could not leave the classroom, and they just had to watch us, and they called people down by like 10 people at a time. Mm-hmm. Was it alphabetical or random? Uh, no, I think it was just random, but it, it seemed like most of the, like, the known druggies and the people who smoked 
They were called first. Now, um, oh my God! So yeah. they, they had like informants and stuff. Now, my question is this: They still got the the vast majority of them. Um, it's it, something well over. I mean, 180 like out of 75 percent at least of what. They, uh, 180 out of 250 kids, and then not all 250 kids were searched. Correct. Is that right. correct? Um, so, you know, I, it, it's it's an amazing number. How to did me. you get oh, that yeah. number, Francisco? Uh, and uh, was this because all throughout the day, or like by the whole day? Man. By this two took o'clock. Day. By two o'clock, they had called. 150 kids to the office and searched uh, them. Basically, I would say so. Did you did uh, word get around? Did you know what was happening at that point? Oh yeah, actually. I, so kids were kid still getting class. caught with so lighters kid, and cigarettes and marijuana after they knew. There was a kid in my class who swallowed a, like a, a dime bag of pot. Well, wow, better than getting caught with it, I guess. Oh yeah, I definitely. And oh, there was nice. actually a teacher who uh, skipped out. Of, like he left during halfway. <laughs> the teacher didn't want to get caught with his weed. No, I, he looks like a stoner. <laughs> it, 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 I'll tell you what. I've known teachers. Sure. I've known government school teachers who are pot smokers. Right, and he just left. We he had no idea why. We didn't, you know, he just left. Wow, well, that's hope an incredible for, hopefully story. Hopefully he doesn't get fired for leaving. Thank you what? for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Let us know if there are any further ramifications on this, if uh, if that happens. 800-259-9231. Uh, that, that's wow. just absolutely yeah. stunning. I, I don't even know what to say. I, what do you do with that well, story? I like Toby's point that it's conditioning. You know, this is uh, getting the kids ready for their adult life, where inevitably uh, the next terrorism attack's going to happen, mm-hmm. and then the government's just going to say, oh, that, that's time to expand the security state. Now we're going to need random roadblocks. And then, of course, these kids that are used to having their uh, their bags uh, searched and their pockets checked at school yep. are just going to feel like, oh, this is like being in school, but bigger. It's like... You know, more control, no big deal. I'm used to this. Most people don't know their rights, and this is just how they get taken away. 1-800-259-9231. And, of course, nobody understands rights because the government teaches them. You can take control of the air, uh, the airwaves. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. National security letters, threats. Your calls as well. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Your show, you take control. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. And that does include the Shrine as well as the bulletin board system, the studio cam, and more. We give it all away, freetalklive.com. Com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Once again, their number 800-544. 6359 to the phones to the fun Mike in New Orleans you're on free talk live with Ian Toby and Mark Hey how you doing Great Mike what's on your mind sir Well first off I want to say what they're doing to these kids in these government schools is sick It's despicable um, I as long as as long as the state has control of our kids for the first you know 12 years of education I don't think we're going to be able to get a leg up on them you know I completely agree it's uh, it's a major it's going to be a major undertaking getting the state out of schooling but once we're successful at it, oh, our kids will be so much better off. Yeah. But what I wanted to talk about was I was listening to a show a few weeks ago, and um, 
you and Mark were talking about um, people driving while high and drunk. Okay. And no offense to Mark, but I usually take uh, Ian's side on, on issues. But on this particular one, I think that you missed a fundamental concept um, as far as, as judging whether to pull, uh, pull people over or prosecute them for being drunk or high, okay. which is threat. You know, I think libertarians should, should be open to, um, you know, catching people before they actually commit an act of aggression against someone else. And if you um, prevent, if you if you wait till they actually hit somebody, or you know they're actually you know drive into a tree or whatever they're going to do, then they they've put a threat onto someone, a threat of aggression onto someone else. That I think I've said have. several times on this show that I I support. Uh, the, the road owners, whether it be, unfortunately, government or a private agency, I support right. road owners' right to be able to enforce whatever rules they want. I would prefer to see uh, a rule about just dangerous driving. If someone is driving dangerously, then they should be prohibited from doing that, whether it's driving while tired or driving while drunk or driving while high or whatever. Okay. But what about what about if their reaction time is slowed? So even though they look like they're driving normally, because of the fact that they're drunk, when that comes to that split decision, there's no way. How how on earth are you going to be able to determine that from outside of their vehicle? They, now you're just paving the way for random stops and random pullovers and checkpoints. As people get older, their reaction time goes down too. So I mean, how are you supposed to judge how much someone's reaction time went down? Right, if my reaction time's down and I'm accommodating that by f not following as closely, then it doesn't matter. But here's, uh, but here's another uh, area that you're not looking at. What if the person gets in a wreck? Mm -hmm. um, what if the person uh, gets in a wreck and somebody dies? Now, you know, there was no, there was no cop there to see whether they were driving um, hindered. There's mm -hmm. no, how can you say that's true? But then somebody comes on the scene and says, hmm. You look like you might be stoned, and then they, uh, you know, so they give them a field sobriety test or whatever, and now you have somebody who, uh, for all intents and purposes, was very legal, but driving impaired. Okay, so insurance companies. Really, the law, the law is filled with all sorts of judgment decisions like that, where you have to say, you know, we can't, we can't set a specific line, but we know that when people are driving drunk, you know, it's, uh, it's a threat. It's something we all know. Yeah, way. I understand that, um, but it's not appropriate to set up checkpoints in order to determine if someone is driving drunk. If you have an accident, then insurance companies will have an interest, and in I presume we're talking about a world where there's uh, no government in, involved in the roads. But if you've got That'd that nice. if you've got that situation, then insurance companies are not going to cover you if you test positive. For drugs and alcohol, so the insurance companies, it'll be in your insurance agreement instead of you know the government mandating that you have to uh, take their little blood alcohol content tests. Well, if you want to be an insured driver, you'll have to agree and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to drive drunk, and I I submit or I agree that I will submit to any sort of testing that you guys require me to should I get into an accident to prove the fact that I'm not driving drunk. And then what you've now, got what, what is a situation. What if they say no? If they say no, then you're not allowed on the roads. If who says no? I'm say, sorry. Say you can't get insured to drive. This is a, a slight problem I have with the anarcho-capitalist position. Say you can't get insured to drive, then you're stuck in your house, right? Um, have you heard of you bicycles? Wouldn't to, uh, you wouldn't be insured to, to access any ha private roads. Have you heard right? of bicycles? Have you heard of taxi cabs, okay. buses, right. carpooling? Yeah. There's plenty of options out there for people that aren't allowed on the roadways. All right, well put. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You were going to say something about it, Mark. 
uh, you know, it, it, they're, they're, that's what's going to happen. Is It's going to be far worse than the system that we have What here. is? What, what you're talking about. You're, Why? Uh, what you're claiming is, is that um, now insurance companies won't cover this person for... Um, should they? What do you mean? Should they, are you saying the sh- insurance company should cover drunk driving accidents? Um, well, they should pay out to the victim. If they're drunk, the, yeah. If their drunk driver hit me, drunk. yeah, they darn sure should. Right. You should get the payment, but the drunk shouldn't get any sort of. Um, why would they assistance? get it? Why, why would they get any assistance anyway? They shouldn't. Okay, fine. So what's then your they point? don't, and then they don't get insured after that. Okay. Then they never drive again. And your point is what? What? That's a really great system you got there. No forgiveness ever. I didn't suggest that, and and I didn't say that that would be how it would pan out. I don't know. Um, if, you know, if you th- if that's what you thought I was saying, then I'm sorry. No, I would think that the insurance companies would want to have some sort of forgiveness system because they would want the money, don't you think? They may they just well. raise their rates. I don't know. I don't. I the, the whole idea of roads on a in an anarcho-capitalist society is 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 a big muddled mess. I'm sure it would work I don't itself think it's out. A, well, yeah, right. It would work out because uh, people in search of profit would do what they needed to do to make it work. It's pure speculation at this point. We don't know what would happen. What what the free market makes might be more restrictive or less restrictive right. than what we have now. It's pure it, it, speculation at well, this point. Well, you're right about that. It could be more restrictive than what we have now because it would depend for the first time ever on consumer demand. It would depend on what people wanted. So if what people want is the most restricted safety roads that we could possibly have, then that's what they would get. In fact, I was thinking about this the other night. Now, who's who's mandating that you have insurance? In Nobody these... mandates it here in New Hampshire. Well, what I'm saying is, you, you know, I'm the drunk driver. I get in, um, a wreck in your anarcho-capitalist society um, with, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, on a privately owned road, and I don't have any insurance. So what about it? Well, what happens? Well, if you don't have insurance, then uh, hopefully the other driver actually has insurance. Has an uninsured driver. Has uninsured driver's insurance. I have full coverage. I like to keep that because I, I believe that uh, you know the, the world's too dangerous right. um, so to not have so it. So the other driver's protected, and road owners can certainly – I mean, if this becomes a rampant problem, road owner and people are demanding protection from these uninsured drivers – then the road owners will have to figure out a way to protect people, whether it be the little easy pass things, scanning people as they come onto the road to make sure that they're insured and protected, mm-hmm. whatever. The technology's there to implement all that. Like, the technology's there to the point where this would very easily be possible, these sorts of systems. Could have two roads. We could have a, a drunk road and a safe road. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. You let the marketplace handle it, and things are going to be different for sure. But uh, I think they'd be better. In fact, I thought recently that, you know, when floods and things like that happen, the government usually freaks out and doesn't know what to do. Can you imagine uh, the road owners that have a financial interest in having people continuing to drive on their roads? They might figure out ways to block uh, flowing water and that sort of thing. Who knows? It'd be creative. More on the way. You take control, bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything toll free. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. That is the packet 8.net toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. There's a wiki there, over 1,200 pages. Created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website. See what I mean by heading over to wiki. That's W-I-K-I dot freetalklive dot com. 
The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as the Pork Fest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Pork Fest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special FSP tour buses or on your own and hear and discuss the progress and future of the Free State Project. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot C-O-M. Now, I want to block off a little bit of time here so we can actually get through this story from the Washington Post, written by a man who, well, we don't know who he is. It's an anonymous letter. And the reason why it's anonymous is because this man is deathly afraid of what the federal government might do to him. Well, it's also against the law for him to, uh, the you know, it's, it's against the law for him to speak Hence, out. Hence, he's afraid of what he might, you know, what might happen were he to actually break said law and come out and reveal who he is. Now, the consequences this man has seen from this national security letter are just stunning. And this has this is a story that has to be told. Uh, he's talking about the national security letters, and I think he defined he actually sort of uh, explains in the actual mm-hmm. letter what it is. So let's he just does. jump into it. The Justice Department's Inspector General revealed on March 9th that the FBI has been systematically abusing one of the most controversial pre- provisions of the U.S. Patriot Act, the ex- the expansion power to issue national security letters. It no doubt surprised most Americans to learn that between 2003 and 2005, the FBI issued more than 140,000 specific demands under this provision. Demands issued without showing probable cause or prior um, judicial approval to obtain potentially sensitive information about U.S. citizens and residents. It did not, however, come as any surprise to me. Now, me is... Going to the remain, author. yeah. He's he's gonna, he or she is going to remain un, re, anonymous throughout this. So don't listen trying to figure out who it is. <laughs> right. Three years ago, I received a national security letter in my capacity as the president of a small internet access consulting business. This letter ordered me to provide sensitive information about one of my clients. There was no indication that the ju- that a judge had reviewed or approved the letter, and it turned out that none had. The letter came with a gag provision that prohibited me from telling anyone, including my client, that the FBI was seeking this information. Now, let's stop down here and point out how this is nothing more than a gang of thugs enforcing their will on innocent people. If I wrote up a piece of paper, an 8.5 by 11, put the Free Talk Live logo at the top of it, and wrote confidential at the top and sent it to you and you know demanded that you tell me how much money you earn every year or whatever other factoid I wanted to know, and at the bottom of the letter told you that I was going to uh, kick your butt if you uh, told anybody about the letter, how would that make you feel? Uh, threatened. Yeah, it's a threat. I mean, that's what these these letters are. Of course, if I saw a sending. picture of you, I'd, I'd be amused. That's what, the, that's what these letters are. They, are. they are strange people sending threats out to other strangers. And, they, of course, people comply with them because they know these strangers that have sent this particular letter are indeed violent individuals who have no compunction against throwing you into a prison cell, should you not follow their orders. And that's all these things are. They're just threats. And it's disgusting that it's happening in the so-called land of the free. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. Based on the context of the demand, a context that the FBI still won't let me discuss publicly, I suspected that the FBI was abusing its power and that the letter sought information to which the FBI was not entitled. Rather than turn over the information, I contacted lawyers at the American Civil Liberties Union, and in April 2004, I filed a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the NSL, that's National Security Letter, power. 
I never released the information the FBI sought, and last November the FBI decided that it no longer needed needs the information anyway. But the FBI still hasn't abandoned the gag order, which prevents me from disclosing my experience and concerns with um, with the law or the national security letter that was served on my company. It doesn't need the information anymore. But but shut up. Yeah, you can't talk about it. In fact, the government will. Is this the government by the people? I, I'm sorry. No, this it, is a government of a is a gang of people enforcing their way on others. It, if it was ever a government by the people, it certainly isn't now. In fact, the government will return to court in the next few weeks to defend the gag orders that are imposed on recipients of these letters, yep. including himself or him or herself. Mm-hmm. They're Living, saying we need secrecy. Yep. Living under the gag order has been stressful and surreal. Under the threat of criminal prosecution, I must hide all aspects of my involvement in the case, including the mere fact that I received an NSL from my colleagues, my family, and my friends. When I What's that? What's that? Oh, nothing. Nothing. You can't tell anybody anything. You can't tell them anything. And, and it, imagine the kind of stress that you have not being able to tell you. I don't know if wife would be included in this just because of laws that would be um, that, that sort of he allow He says he these. can't tell his girlfriend. Oh, well, it says girlfriend. You're right. Um, well, I guess he doesn't have a wife. But you, what about your kids or your, your parents? You can't share this information. No, you can't. When I met with my attorneys, um, when I meet with my attorneys, I can't tell my girlfriend where I'm going or where I've been. Now, imagine what kind of stress that puts on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't tell you where I'm going. But, but why? Like, I can't tell you why. I can't you tell why. you why. Yeah. But, but what are we, who are you going to see? I can't tell you. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, this is not good stuff for a relationship. No, this is all. not good for this man's life. But it's good for national security, Mark, so we need secrecy. I hide any papers related to the case in a place where she will not look. When clients and friends ask me whether I'm the one challenging the constitutionality of the NSL statute, I have no choice but to look them in the eye and lie. I don't see that he has no choice. He could say, I'm sorry, I just can't tell you. Mm. Um, but it, either way, he feels he feels uh, compelled to lie, and I can see why he does. He or she, I don't know. It says girlfriend. Yeah, there's a scary gang out there. He says girlfriend, him. which makes it more likely to me that it's it's male, but it, by no sure. means uh, you know a guarantee. I resent being conscripted as a secret informer for the government and being made to mislead those who are close to me, especially because I have doubts about the legitimacy of the underlying investigation. Right? Can you imagine? Right? He immediately his red flags went up. He said, "Okay." The FBI is asking me secretly for this information. And that's a red flag going up saying, okay, well, if they can't go through some sort of regular process to do this, maybe they don't really need it. Maybe they're asking me for for unreasonable reasons or whatever. You can't even um, – you can't do anything about it because of the gag order. If you disagree with what's going on, you want to challenge what's going on, you cannot do it. They won't. They're they're going to charge you with something. Should you reveal that you've gotten this letter? Should you reveal that you have the intention to challenge the content of the letter? It's it's a completely. It's almost an unassailable item. This letter, when it's sent to you, you can't touch it. You can't mention it. You can't challenge it. Not without being uh, in big trouble. This is this is so so scary that this is happening here in America. The Inspector General's report makes clear that the NSL gag orders... National Security Letter. Thank you. I was, I was considering doing that myself. <laughs> ...have been more pernicious, um, have, have even more pernicious effects. Without the gag orders issued on recipients of the letters, it is doubtful that the FBI would have been able to abuse the NSL power the way it did. Some recipients would have spoken out about perceived abuses, and the FBI's actions would, not have, been, would have been subject to some degree of public scrutiny. Mm-hmm. To be sure... 
Not all recipients would have spoken out. The Inspector General's report suggests that the large telecom companies have been all too willing to share sensitive data with the agency. In at least one case, a telecom telecom company gave, that's telecommunications in case Mm -hmm. anybody wonders, I always wondered what that uh, meant, or I wondered for a period of time what that meant, gave the FBI even more information than it asked for. But recipients would have called um, attention to abuses and some would have been deterred. I found it particularly difficult to be silent about my concerns while Congress was debating the reauthorization of the Patriot Act. Now, imagine, he's sitting here with one of these NSLs hanging over his head, Mm -hmm. and he can't speak out against the the re-upping of the Patriot Act in 2005. Right. If or it, else. Yeah, or else. If, if I hadn't been under a gag order, I would have been contra- um, contacting members of Congress to discuss my experiences and to advocate changes in the law. The Inspector General's report confirms that Congress lacked a complete picture of the problem during a crucial time. Even though the NSL statute requires the director of the FBI to fully inform members of the House and Senate about all requests issued under the statute. And the now F- that's what's happening. The FBI director is saying, okay, yeah, we've done, we stepped outside of the boundaries, sent uh, some of these you weren't supposed to to send, but we're not going to do it again, so trust us. Let us keep doing this. And it sounds like they might. More on the way, more details on the NSL situation. Your freedoms are at stake here. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. That is the packet 8.net toll free line 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free. We do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. We've got Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats. We've got DVD collector's sets, uh, classic archives. Uh, we've also got the free marketeer flag, free bumper stickers, all there at store.freetalklive.com. Once again, store.freetalklive.com. We're talking about what is a very, very frightening story. It's told in the first person from a man who received recently a national security letter. I say recently. I think he reveals later that it's a. it's been three years since he received it. And... As he points out, uh, the FBI sends these so-called NSLs out, national security letters out, that request certain information, usually about a client or you know something about their business or whatever it is they want. They request that information from them and says that if they reveal that they even received the national security letter, they could be punished. If they mention to anyone that they have uh, read this letter, they can be punished. And I want to know, and I looked in, on Wikipedia to see if there was any sort of information or suggestion or whatever. Nobody knows, except for this guy, and he doesn't mention it in his letter here, because probably that would be a, a revealing... Violation of the yeah. nas- national security letter itself. Right. It'd be revealing the actual content of the letter. There's no way to tell what the threat is. You know, when you get a, a something from the IRS and they you know, there's a signature form down at the bottom that says, well, I, I swear and affirm that this is true to the best of my knowledge and I'll be charged with a felony if I'm wrong. Right. And then you can go look up the statutes and it says, well, you get five years for this felony or whatever. You know what the threat is. In this case, we've no way of identifying what exactly it is that they're trying to leverage against this person. Whatever it is, it must be pretty frightening. It's not just a misdemeanor, because if it was just like a misdemeanor, somebody would have the courage to say, hey, I'm revealing the content of this national security letter. Right, if it was, I don't know, a $500 fine or 30 days in jail, 
Uh, this person might. I mean, they 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 took the time to write this letter to the right. Washington Post, and they, to some extent, they endangered themselves just by being anonymous. Totally. Um, so I think that uh, this person would probably take the danger of 30 days in jail or $500 fine. But they haven't. So it must be something awfully scary. Now, would you recommend that this person come out and just say what what's uh, you know what was in the NSL letter? You know, the, the it's NSL tough, man. They're scary. They're NS a scary letter. gang. I mean, he's got a girlfriend. He's probably got. A, he's got. We know he's got a business. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a livelihood. I feel like they did a lot here in, in coming out in this uh, anonymous format. I think he's done as much as he feels like he can do, and I think that whatever he's done is is right. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody else has done any of this, so I, I congratulate him for that. This is the worst kind of police state. This is secret police. At least with a police state where pe- there's police in the streets and stuff, it's visible. You know, but this is secretive. We, we we were talking um, in one of the breaks in the past is we you know in the comparison of uh, what we've currently got or what we're on the way to and Nazi Germany. Well, they're not currently throwing anybody into the gas chambers and nobody's going into the ovens here in the United States. Right. And I think that that's the real difference between what we've got going and what the Nazis had go- going. I mean, there was some uh, there's definitely some police state stuff happening in the United States, and I think they may have learned. Because what did the Nazis really get by gassing people? Nothing. People got mad. Right. That, that, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what really got everybody upset with them. That's why everybody hates the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Because they were gassing Jews and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and gay people and God knows who else. Everyone loved them when they were just locking people up. Right. They, they were, everybody was following the rules until they... Um, Law you know, and order. You know, all those things were fine. Now, what, what um, you know, we already have the most people locked up of, of any nation in the world. We do. Any uh, developed nation, yeah. Um, and I think that any nation at all, I mean... Maybe. Um, I can't imagine that an undeveloped nation can afford to keep people locked up. I, I would think you're probably right. Um, you know, so I think that they've got themselves a really nice system here. They're taxing us to, uh, I, I, I don't, at the tune of, depending on who you believe, 50 to 75%. Okay. Um, 75 seems, seems high, but if you really want to question it, you've got to call in and yeah. I'll, I'll go yeah, for yeah. it. Um, but let's say 60%. They're taxing us to the tune of 60% of our labor and, um, you know, they're locking some people up. Well, those people are just a reason for us to pay taxes. We have to pay taxes on those people. They're not really... And Americans aren't outraged by this. No, they're not. They're not outraged by the 700,000... Well, the Germans weren't smokers. outraged by the Nazis. Correct. The, the most, uh, you know, the one parallels of the most, are striking. One of the most educated um, and industrialized nations on the planet was not outraged by the Nazis because they didn't know about the gas chambers. If our government gets more constrictive than the Nazis were, but doesn't go to the gas chambers, what's that going to be like for us? How long will it go for? I think that more people are going to be getting letters like this one. Nobody's going to... I can tell you something. um, That nobody... We talk about the World War II issue sometimes. In fact, we had Don on over over the weekend. We got into it with him, this sort Mm -hmm. of old Korean war vet. The idea that everything America does is right. If America's fighting in a war, it must be for freedom. And, of course, when we talk about how, well, if America hadn't gotten into World War I, then... Hitler probably would have never risen to power, and we never would have had to have gotten into World War II anyway. And people, when we when you bring up World War II and America not getting into it, they get all uppity. They get all upset. What? Don't you care about the Jewish people? Don't you care about all the people Hitler slaughtered? Sure, that's bad. Uh, Hitler was a bad guy. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Have we gone didn't get over. in for that reason. That's correct. I'm not saying that people shouldn't have been able to go over and fight and try to uh, try to fight against Hitler on their own. You certainly should be free to do that. But my question would be. If we started, uh, we, meaning the government, if the government started locking people up, say, Muslims, maybe immigrants, Mexicans, illegals, if uh, the government started locking, and I think 
it's more likely to happen with so-called illegals oh, I'd say than, so. than it is Muslims, at least first. And so if they started locking up just lots and lots of illegals into what are essentially concentration camps, but they aren't gassing them, how long would it go on for until somebody decided to, you know, do something about it? If your goal, it would keep going. If your goal is power, money, and a bigger government, it makes more sense to keep the people in prison than it does to gas them. It's correct because you and need to me, more money. And to that's what keep politicians want. They want power, right. money, and bigger government. And also, Toby, you, uh, you and I have been making some phone calls recently on the medical marijuana issue here in New Hampshire. That's right. And you'd mentioned to me that the biggest objection you heard was that these guys are scared S-less of the federal government. That's right. They, they think they're, the federal government's been marching into places like California that has legalized um, marijuana for medical purposes, and people are scared of it. They see what's happening there, and the, apparently they don't want to stand up to the federal this government. This constant show of force mm-hmm. on the part of the government, which, of course, what government is, it's just getting more and more brazen as time goes on. This constant show of force has gotten to the point where it's not tipping people against the government. It's not making people stand up and say, no, I've had enough of this. It's making people cower. People are frightened to death of what's going on in this country. They're scared of uh, standing up and saying something about it. They're scared of being targeted. They're scared of being retaliated against. And it's really it's really just stunning what's going on. You had said this was a chilling article. Uh, I've just been laying, sitting back listening to it because I don't even know what to say. It's just amazing this is happening. Actually, there's a few more up. words in the yeah, article. I, I reckon, <clears throat> and the anonymous author goes on, I recognize... That there are many, uh, that there may sometimes be a need for secrecy in certain national security investigations, but I've now been under a broad gag order for three years, and other um, national security letter, letter recipients have been silenced for even longer. At some point, a point we passed long ago, the secrecy itself becomes a threat to our democracy. Uh, I'll correct him on a few things, uh, and that is that the democracy is a threat to our freedom in the first place, so it's inevitable that it's gotten to this point. But go ahead. In the wake of recent revelations, I believe more strongly than ever that if that the secrecy surrounding the government's use of national security letters uh, letters power is unwarranted and dangerous. I hope the Congress will will at last recognize the same thing. It's completely um, screwed up this man's life. And he's the one that we're hearing from. And he's only gotten a letter. I mean, we hear this cases person. like Jose Padilla, who's been locked up for the past uh, four years or so. I want um, to talk about that coming up here in hour number three. This power the government has, uh, again, just created for itself, because it just does what it wants to. That's what we pointed out earlier. It just keeps doing whatever it wants. And then, you know, if it gets caught breaking its own rules, it says, uh, and I'm saying it, and meaning any bureaucrat that's questioned. The bureaucrat will say, oh, we're so sorry. We won't do it again. You trust us, right? And so they keep, and then they just keep doing it. And they keep taking steps until finally everybody's just so frightened of them that nobody calls them out. And here we are making more alphabet soup agencies, which are completely unconstitutional in the first place. Well, I'm not making any new agencies. Well, we as in the government. The government. Yes. I mean, I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I didn't see any provisions in there saying the federal government's allowed to set up the CIA and the FBI and probe into our lives like this. It's, it's all unconstitutional. But it's gone so far outside of the Constitution without having anybody call it into check, without having anybody question it, that it, I don't know if it can be reined back in at this point. 
I really don't. It's either going to have to, I think it's going to either fall in and collapse upon itself, as the Soviet Union has done, as so many other empires have done over time. When that will happen, though, I don't know. And I certainly hope that somebody can secede before it goes down. More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, your show. We're launching into hour number three. Bring up what you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line for you. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. We give them away. freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones to launch things out here this hour, let's talk to Jim in New Hampshire. You're on the amplifier line. Hello, Jim. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. What's on your mind, sir? I, I was at the State House today for the Educational Adequacy Bill. Um, I was also hoping to be there for the Medical Marijuana Bill, but that's, that didn't go up today. It, it, things took so long, so it's going tomorrow. Now, this is so, uh, something that Gardner Goldsmith had mentioned on last night's show here in New Hampshire, as they've done in a number of other states. The state government has been ordered, apparently, to define what is so-called an adequate education for Everyone. So they're, essentially they have to define uh, the one-size-fits-all program or whatever or requirements that government schools will have to be run by here in the state. That's right. And they, they, the, the courts have let, or mandated that, plus they have to fund it as well. So define adequate and fund it. So um, what happened? Well, what happened was, it, it, unfortunately, the, the bill passed the House uh, by like a two-to-one margin. Hmm. Um, it, there was an amendment on there to add to the original proposal that it would be mandated that the um, the local schools would have to provide kindergarten. So, and unfortunately, that amendment got tacked on, so that passed as well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, also, as part of... Oh, go ahead. As I understand, that's un- unconstitutional under the New Hampshire Constitution, and that's probably going to be challenged at some point if it gets signed into law. Well, yeah, uh, you mean... The kindergarten thing, or just the way they passed this? I was talking about the kindergarten thing in particular, but I'm not sure about the whole bill. That's just what I've heard so far. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard that. So, but let me get to what might be unconstitutional. So, so this bill was just to define adequacy. It was not to define any dollar amounts. The bill itself was very broad. It said we need reading, writing, arithmetic, public speaking, and stuff like that. And then, as part of the amendment, it uh, said that the New Hampshire Board of Education would define the specifics. Hmm. And so one of the reps brought this up, that they were this bill was going to allow unelected bureaucrats to define uh, an adequate education mm-hmm. and also define how much the state's going to pay for it, since they're going to be coming up with the, with the, with the rules for that. Right. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a huge problem, um, taking away local controls and uh, basically, uh, you know, having the state now dictate what's going to happen now. Well, you know, it's just another step in the in the direction they've been going in. I mean, it, everyone's right. painting this as a huge problem. No, no, the huge problem was allowing the state to take control of education in the first place. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the well, huge it, problem. Let me, it's in the it's yes, uh, it's in the wrong direction is the problem. But um, but yeah, so so this thing got passed, and and everybody pointed out, hey, by putting kindergarten in there, you're that's a new mandate, and Article 28 of the New Hampshire Constitution says 
the state will not mandate anything to the towns without funding it. So that means by mandating this that we have to fund it. Okay. Well, after the bill was passed, uh, the, some reps stood up and said, okay, you need to send this to the finance committee because it is a mandated funding. Right. That and would make sense. And they said, and the, and the Speaker of the House said, well, the finance can be already looked at it, and they, since there was no actual funding in it, they're, they're not going to look at it. Oh, my. And so then the finance rep got in there and said how wonderful kindergarten is and how she thought this was a great thing and that because there was no specific mention of funding in there, that that was going to come later, that this was okay and they didn't need to review it. Okay. Well, you know, if they messed that up, of- if they messed that up, then um, this could be a very good thing because it'll probably take a couple of years for it to be remanded back to the legislature to clean their mess up. In which case, um, it'll be past 2008, and I suspect that you'll see a big uh, change in the uh, the face of the New Hampshire legislature in 2008. Is that how you would uh, analyze this, Jim? Um, well, I, I hope that happens. The problem is, 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 so that yeah, this opens it up to a constitutional challenge because they've passed a bill that mandates without yet passing the funding. Um, but you know, look at who's in the con- look at who's in control of the courts right now and yeah. what they decided in the first place was unconstitutional but they did it anyway right so, so they're um, going to back they're going to back them up on this is what you're saying but but one of the nice things was right one of the nice thing was is you know so the republicans called them on it or i don't know if it's republicans i presume it was and um they said you know this is requiring funding and and they asked straight up so you're saying that this bill does not mandate any funding and the finance chairman said yes even though they'd already said if you, the Supreme Court says is if, if you define it as adequate, you have to fund it. So they caught him in the lie, and then afterwards the, the guys said, we want to, and I forget what the motion was, but we want to move that this testimony is put into written record. Mm-hmm. And then that's that probably passed. a smart move. So, so they're, sort of, yeah. they're sort of getting their cards in order, so to speak, to continue the challenge. For a lawsuit, this. I would think, yes. Why is it that no one? Uh, why is it that no one in the state of New Hampshire, the live free or die state, is actually out there agitating to get the government out of schools? Why is it that no one's taking that position? Is it because everyone's well, just been completely brainwashed to the idea that government must t- uh, take care of schools? Well, I don't think a lot of people in the state understand what's going on here. The people that do understand what's going on are I know I barely uh, understand it, so I don't yeah, blame, those, I don't blame the them. The people that do understand what's going on are the lobbyists uh, for the education department that want they don't want to have to go to towns to get approval for budgets. They would much rather just go lobby a few state reps and get budgets passed that way, or even better yet, which is what it's going to be, is have the education department decide what is going to get funded. What I see as this as is you ask the question, aren't, why aren't residents here in the state of New Hampshire standing up against this? And what I see it as is they're throwing so much at us. There were so many important bills that came up today, and you can only do so much. And so it's really stifling us and making it almost impossible for us to stand up against mm-hmm. this kind of a bill. And, I mean, there were several really important bills that I would have loved to talk to all my state reps about, but there's just not enough time in the day. Got it. Jim, any other thoughts? Um. No, other than it's a bit depressing, but I, I, I hope that, uh, yeah, they challenge this constitutionally and, and drag this out longer until we can uh, rescue what's going on. Here. Right. It may It is a bit depressing, and thank you for the call. Um, however, the only way to turn this around is to get more people to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And, of course, uh, Free State Project is our sponsor. We'll talk about the Pork Fest here in a little bit. Perfect excuse uh, to get yourself up here and actually take part in, in what's going on. But... 
in case you haven't heard, the Free State Project is in effect right now. You go to freestateproject.org. You learn more about it. It's a movement of 20,000 people that are all going to move into the same state. 20,000 liberty-oriented people all moving into the same state to become activists for liberty. If you just want to move and vote, well, you don't really count as much in my, in my book. I guess voting could be considered activism. But we're looking for someone who's going to do a little more than that, someone who's going to write a letter to the editor, someone who's going to talk to their neighbors, their family members, somebody who's going to get out there and, and do something. You don't have to be seen. You can be behind the scenes, but taking action for liberty instead of just sitting back and hoping that somebody else will do it for you. Um, so these people are all moving and, into New Hampshire. Yeah, that's that's what we, that's how we've gotten the government that we, we have currently. Is because, In action? Yeah. Everybody thinks that somehow somebody else is going to take care of it for them, and they're not. Right. So these 20,000 people are going to move to New Hampshire. There's currently over 7,000 people that have signed on to the Free State Project. The movement doesn't officially start until that 20,000 point is reached. However, there have been a number of people that have decided they want to go early, that uh, they're not going to wait. They're going to move now or real soon. And we are some of those people. Toby, you're a native. You're a New Hampshire native. But Mark and I are early movers, so-called, of the Free State Project. We're one of the first 200 people that have actually moved, in our case, from across the country, mm-hmm. 1,500 miles away from down in Florida, to here in New Hampshire. And the purpose is, of course, to encourage others to do the same. Hey, you are so deluded out there. This, this example, these boring political... Mean, it was a little dull to me, but it's politics and it's what's going on here in the state. These things are going on in your states, except there's virtually no opposition there. These bureaucrats... And these elected officials are passing law after law, whether it be in education or the war on drugs or whatever it is that they're expanding. The government is getting bigger and bigger as every single day or every single legislative session goes by. And there's very little opposition on any given issue. But there is opposition here in New Hampshire from those 200 people that have moved in, from the people that were already living here that are getting excited and getting active again. And I say don't wait until 20,000. If the Free State Project sounds interesting to you and you feel like it can make a difference like we do, go and sign up and then move as soon as you realistically can. Right. Don't you want to be part of the Free State Project and be able to say, hmm, I was among the first 200 movers? 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet8.net line. This is your show. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. Updates included. You get signed up. We clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get signed up on the updates list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's easy, right? Updates.freetalklive.com. We're talking about the Free State Project, which I happen to be a fan of. The concept. I think it's brilliant. And uh, that's why I've moved as one of the early movers to the free state, to well, what will become the free state. It could be argued that New Hampshire is already the freest state, but if some of these politicians get their way, it won't be. And so they're busy, busy in the New Hampshire State House, passing as much pro-government, big government legislation as they possibly can. Luckily, we've got some real, really great activists that have arrived here over the past two or three years, right. and they've started laying the groundwork for different 
organizations that will take on certain issues. There's the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, uh, nhliberty.org is their website. They're sort of like this all-encompassing political website that uh, that analyzes each of the over 400 New Hampshire state legislators and analyzes all of their votes on every piece of legislation. And analyzes each piece of legislation. That's true. They read all the legislation. I'm they, part of that uh, group that le- reads the leg- legislation. And, and, um, I don't know I'll tell how you, you do it. It, it, you just read it. Wow. Um, are, is a lot of it legalese here in New Hampshire? Or is some of Not it a little more so bad? Regular, a little more regular. Uh, because th- that's one of the good things about being in New Hampshire is that there's this citizens' legislature, to where these guys aren't getting paid a lot of money every year. They're getting a hundred bucks a year or two hundred bucks a year or something like that. So they're not professional lawyers, a lot of them, which is a good thing. Uh, but nonetheless, they're still coming up with big government stuff, and they need to be stopped. And our best chance to do it is right here in New Hampshire with as many liberty-oriented people all coalescing together, all in one place. We're seeing the evidence that this works. It doesn't matter what your forte is, whatever you want to do. You come here and plug in, whether it be making phone calls to your reps. I mean, they'll talk to you. You call them up. They'll have a conversation with whatever you most of the time with whatever you want to talk about. They'll talk about it with you. They're real people. You're going to call up and you're going to get their kids or their wife. or yes. You're calling them at home. Um, it's a volunteer position, so they they're doing it because they want to. I mean, they're, they they're might have the reachable. wrong ideas, but they are reachable, and you can make a difference. I was making phone calls just this weekend, and people were saying, "I'm counting the phone calls, and that's how I'm going to vote." Depends on how many wow. people they uh, call me, and they only get about seven phone calls total per piece of legislation. Is just that right? so, just a few people coming here can make a huge difference. It's true; they really have been making a difference, as I say, laying the groundwork for these organizations to where. You can actually move at this point and just sort of plug yourself right in, like you did, Mark. The New Hampshire Liberty Alliance said they needed a little bit of help with something. Mm-hmm. The organization was already there. You didn't right. have to build it from scratch. It's you an incredible in. organization, too. Right. So there's them. There's the New Hampshire uh, Coalition for Common Sense. It gets active on uh, medical mar- or mar- various different marijuana-related issues. That's a brand-new organization. There's our blog at freekeen.com which is getting active on a variety of sort of local issues as well. So all these things are sort of springing up. And if, if the organization you want to join isn't here, then go ahead and start it, uh, start it on your own. Uh, take the initiative and, and create it. Because the more of these sort of organizations we have, the more attractive the state's going to be to people who are out there sitting on the fence saying, hmm, do I really want to go to this whole free state thing? Do I really want to get involved? Well, yeah. You definitely do, because if you if you don't get involved in the Free State Project and liberty is important to you, if, if liberty is not important to you, then please stay where you are. But if liberty is important to you and you don't get involved, I think you're going to regret it after another five to ten years. You know, Eventually, you're, you're not going to want to be anywhere else. I've, but, seen, uh, the free I've state. seen people that are skeptical. Um, well, you know, I'll, I'll see how that Free State Project works out. Well, if everybody sees how it works out, it's never going to happen, right. right? Like people have to get in and get involved. Yeah, thanks for coming here after the fact. Right, Wh- which is what I intended to do from the get-go. Now I, you know, I that that was what my plan was, but I've ended up here, and I'm glad I'm here. Uh, you know, it, there there are parts about uh, the the provincial nature of the town I'm in. Uh, I don't think it's provincial at all. That, that's that's Julia how I feel. Julia and I disagree with you on that. Yes, uh, well, yeah, you're I, outnumbered. That, Toby is keen provincial. Oh, it's absolutely not. <laughs> Toby right. has lived here his entire life. Right, so, which would make Toby provincial. Shows what you know. <laughs> I may be biased. Anyway, um, you know, as far as being a part of uh, the Free State Project itself, you know, you've got to, if, if you don't get involved, you're never going to be, we're never going to have liberty. People have to get involved, yep. and that's what's going to happen um, as a result. The... Um, 
Man, I have, I have this point that it is, I'm sort Think of circling Think about it for a moment now. while I promote the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's better known as Porkfest. The Free State Project puts it together June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you're going to be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who have made the move, people like us. Uh, socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty and discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. It's going to be a perfect opportunity for somebody who's out there, a fence sitter perhaps, or somebody who's excited about the Free State Project to come here to New Hampshire right in the middle of summertime uh, and explore the state. There are going to be tours and that sort of thing going on, spe- uh, speeches, panels, uh, interaction with uh, with Free State Project membership, and it's going to be a really good time. Now, uh, the point I wanted to make is, uh, you know, I made a lot of calls for the first 1,000 program, which we successfully completed on uh, just before January the 1st of Meaning this year. Meaning that 1,000 people have committed to move to New Hampshire by the end of 2008. Correct. Um, and I had, I, I re- remember talking to someone, a gentleman, who said, you know, I'm not so sure about the Free State Project. I heard that the, you got a bunch of Democrats elected uh, into the state legislature, and it looks to me like it's a lost cause, and I'm going to move to... Didn't or, Democrats get elected everywhere? Right. Here's the thing. No matter what, uh, New Hampshire's freer than whatever state you're in. Whatever state you're in, there aren't a group of successful activists working against forestalling the growth of the government you're in. Um, and New Hampshire's already farther up the line, and there's a group here trying to slow it down, and it's happening. It's really, I mean, you know, we, we have successes all around on uh, bills that we've managed to stop. So New Hampshire, still the freest state, even if we managed to have, you know, some setbacks in 2006, and the Free State Project was barely in its incipiency at that point. At this point, we may only be holding the tidal wave of the laws back. Well, I don't even think we're holding it entirely back. I but think that some of them back. We're right. holding we're back right now. We're, we're not pushing the government back at this point, but we are holding it back to, on certain agendas. Right. I we mean, have slowed its growth dramatically, mm-hmm. I think is probably the safest way to, to, to put it. Going back to the free uh, to pork fest real quick. I, yeah. I know you guys haven't gone Not yet, but I went last year and it was a great time. I, I, How long did you stay there? I stayed there for just the weekend. Okay. Um, this week I already got the whole week off to for to spend the whole week wow. there because it's that good. It's a great time. You get to meet up with so many awesome people. You're around like-minded people. You can have conversations about virtually anything. Hundreds and hundreds of people just getting together and having a great time and. Being free. Now, you were at the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum this year, which was more of the convention-style get-together. Porkfest isn't a convention, per se. It's just a gathering at a campground. So it's two totally different uh, situations. How would you compare and contrast the two? Well, at the Liberty Forum, every, there were a lot of people in suits and such. There, mm-hmm. You don't really see as much of that at Porkfest. They do still have the talks with the speakers that are under undercover and such. But there's a lot of campfire action, a lot of getting together at people's campsites and just having little parties, little get-togethers. Um, during the day, people go out and go shooting um, with their they guns. Tour, they tour around the state yep. if they're new. Uh, and in fact, I believe they're, gonna, they're going to have actually official Free State Project bus tours to where you can get on board and around the state with a bunch of other new people as It's well. a great time, and I'd suggest everyone to be there this year. It sounds really exciting. I wish that I'd had the opportunity, even without having gone. I wish I'd had, I'd been able to go before I moved here. I just sort of moved up and bought a house. But I'm um, looking forward to it nonetheless. 800-259-9231. The Pentagon will talk about their power on the way. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. Whole free number for you, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, including live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version waiting for you. Free, freetalklive.com. What happened to the Republicans? Well, they're spending like drunken Democrats, says Michael Tanner in his new book, Leviathan on the Right, How Big Government Conservatism, Conservatism Brought Down the Republican Revolution. It's laissez-faire books, March, Lysand- Lysander Spooner Award winner, get Leviathan on the Right, and other books and videos on liberty at lfb.com. That's laissez-faire books, lfb.com. We talked a lot so far in the show tonight, hours number one and two, about various different security-related issues, terrorism and uh, national security letters, Patriot Act, that sort of thing. And we didn't really touch on uh, what happened to Jose Padilla. And now there's an update. Padilla. The Padilla. <laughs> no, his name is Padilla. Now he, he should just be happy I'm talking about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, now there's an update in the case from Jacob Hornberger at the Future of Freedom Foundation. And... Uh, It's not a good one. Mm, I'm sure. The presiding judge in the Jose Padilla case has held that the Sixth Amendment's guarantee of a speedy trial does not protect American citizens from being indefinitely incarcerated by the Pentagon. Ridiculous. How could he come to that logic? Padilla had filed a motion to dismiss the case on the ground that the federal government had denied him his right to a speedy trial. Padilla has been in custody since May of 2002, which means he's been there for almost... Five years. Mm. His trial, which is scheduled to begin in April, is not being held until some five years later. From May 2002 until January 2006, Padilla was held in U.S. military custody as an enemy combatant in the War on Terror. In January of 2006, the Pentagon chose to transfer custody of Padilla to the U.S. Justice Department, which had indicted Padilla on terrorism charges in U.S. District Court. Ever since 9-11, U.S. officials have had the option of treating people suspected of terrorism either as enemy combatants or as federal court defendants. Last Friday, the presiding judge in the case, Marsha Cook, denied Padilla's motion to dismiss. The judge held that when a person, including an American citizen, is held in custody by the Pentagon as an enemy combatant, the time doesn't start running with respect to his right to a speedy trial. Ah, there's just no more time for you. <laughs> It begins running, she held, only when he becomes part of the federal criminal justice system. So she is completely acknowledging this uh, Military Commissions Act that was passed last year that authorizes all of this crap. The Military Commissions Act of 2006, and in case you didn't hear the news, essentially makes it so it's legal for the government to do what it's been doing, and that is taking American citizens off of the streets, like Jose Padilla, and locking them in secret military facilities, subjecting them to secret military trials, all kinds of other dangerous, secretive, uh, scary things. She's essentially acknowledging it and upholding it. She's saying, yes, this Military Commissions Act of 2006 has created a third track. It has created an, uh, a track for the government to operate on outside of all sort of constitutional procedures, all of the Bill of Rights, and all of that. She's just acknowledging it, saying, okay, this is fine. Ridic- right to a speedy trial? No, no, that only applies if you're charged in federal court. If we're calling you an enemy combatant, you're not being charged in court, so we can hold you as long as we want to. 
Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I don't see how they can make that um, assertion. Look, we didn't. Cre- they didn't create with the Military Commissions Act of 2006. They did not create a new constitution. So therefore, the Military Commissions Act has to operate within the Constitution. And well, apparently you're wrong. It's unconstitutional. That may be true, but what are they going to do about it? Who's they? The government. Well, they're not going to enforce it on themselves. Nope, they're not. And you sure as hell aren't going to Washington D.C. Nope. Um, yelling outside of some courthouse. No. Nope. That's just going to get you arrested. If 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 I'm lucky that they'll pay attention enough to, um, to me long enough to uh, arrest me. Last Friday, the presiding judge uh, denied his motion to dismiss. It begins running, she held, only when it becomes part of the federal criminal justice system. Hornberger says, gee, I wonder if the judge's reasoning applies to the rest of the Bill of Rights as well. Maybe the First Amendment doesn't apply if it's the Pentagon that's suppressing speech and assembly as part of its perpetual war on terror. In fact, I think that we've seen evidence. Yeah, we that just saw that tonight with the, the letter that the FBI is sending people. That's correct. You get a national security letter, all of a sudden, freedom of speech, bye-bye. You don't have it anymore. If you try to talk about the national security level or the uh, security letter, you're going into some scary place. And I would bet, you know what, logically, if you think about it from crazy federal government logic, if you send somebody one of these national security letters, which they're not supposed to be able to reveal to anyone that they have received, if you send someone one of these things and you write the threat down on the bottom, you say, if you reveal one of these, if you reveal that you've gotten this national security letter, you will be deemed an unlawful enemy combatant. Because by revealing the national security letter, you're revealing state secrets, you're revealing the national security letter, which means that you're threatening our war on terror. And if you're threatening the war on terror, you might as well just be a terrorist. And so therefore, you're an an enemy uh, combatant, and we're going to throw you into a secret military prison somewhere, and you're never going to see the light of day again. They could very well have written something like that, in so many words, on their national security letter. And it would make sense, by their crazy logic. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the First Amendment's already been suppressed. Of course, they're the free speech zones. When you go to where the president is and you want to protest him, you go into a free speech zone where there you can hold your signs. But if you're outside of that zone, you don't have freedom of speech. So, Or maybe the Second Amendment prohibits only the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, not the Pentagon from seizing guns from the American people, as it is doing in the part of the war on terror in Iraq. Our 18th century American ancestors would have found Judge Cook's ruling to be ludicrous. If a military department of government is exempt from the restrictions of the Bill of Rights, then the entire executive branch is exempt for the obvious reason that whenever the government wants to exempt itself from the Bill of Rights, all it has to do is employ the military to do the dirty deed. The purpose of the Bill of Rights, and, oh, I think it bears mentioning here that the, it wasn't the Military Commissions Act, it was the the Defense Authorization Act of 2007. And that was the one that essentially gave the military the carte blanche ability to override posse comitatus, the law from the 1800s that prevents them from being used uh, on their own people. Mm -hmm. And now they can do. Now they can use the military for policing procedures here in America. And the military is somehow exempt from uh, the Constitution, so therefore the military is able to do whatever it wants. That's correct. So it's, it's just a matter of when they put military troops into the streets. The laws are there now mm-hmm. to where the government will just say, this is legal. This, what, you don't like having military in your street? Well, take it up with your representatives. It's, it's legal. And so that's what they're going to do. Right. They the can pres- at that point, the president is only enforcing the laws that are on the books. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the Bill of Rights was to protect the American people from the federal government. The laws that, by the way, I'm sorry, um, have at this point been bolster, only bolstered by the judicial branch. Not a particular department of the federal government. What Judge Cook obviously fails to recognize is the deep 
uh, antipathy to militarism and to an enormous standing military force that characterized our American ancestors. Unlike Judge Cook, they understood the tremendous threat to the freedom and well-being of the American people that militarism and a standing army would pose. In fact, the father of the Constitution, James Madison, was heavily against having a standing army. Mm. This week, Judge Cook is scheduled to rule on Padilla's motion to dismiss on the basis of the government torture and abuse of Padilla while he was in pre-trial military confinement. It'll be interesting to see if Judge Cook rules that the military is also exempt from that part of the Bill of Rights that prohibits the federal government from inflicting cruel and unusual punishments on Americans and others suspected of terrorism. Now, considering how she's already ruled, what's your prediction? Don't forget, Jose Padilla is an American citizen. Thus, this case continues to hold ominous implications for the American people, especially when Judge Cook's ruling is considered in conjunction with the ruling of the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals that upheld the government's enemy combatant designation for Americans as part of its so-called war on terrorism. That means that whatever the government has done, and continues doing to Jose Padilla, and for that matter any other enemy combatant in its war on terror, it has the authority to do to all Americans. At this point, the constitutional the Constitution might as well not exist. That's correct. I know that um, Russell and Cat Canning, I believe it was, that had a funeral for the Constitution last year. And here in Keene, yes. Here in Keene, and at this point, it's looking like it's true. It's gone. It's very frightening. And I want to know what you think. At 800-259-9231, are you just going to kick back and say, well, I'm middle class and white, so I won't have any problem Oh, who cares if they lock up a few of those Americans? They're not going to go after me. They're only going to go after the bad guys, right? 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. More on federal power on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Whatever you want to talk about goes if you make the call at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free lines. But only moments remain, so make that call now at 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can, of course, join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. Now, Mark, if you could give me an update on the voting situation. Toby, you had told me earlier off the air that last night we were winning by one vote. Still ahead, though. Well, I saw so, us earlier at uh, leading by five. So. All right. So we're it's still a hot competition, even in the remaining days of the month. In case you don't know, this is a once-a-month voting process. So if you've already voted in the month of March, thank you for doing that. If you've yet to do it, we need you to do it now at vote.freetalklive.com. That's vote.freetalklive.com. We've never finished out a month. This is for podcasts, by the way. So this will help us stay in the top ten podcasts of the world. You're saying we are still at number one, Mark? Yes, by five points. By five votes. votes. Yes. So we keep getting votes. The number two show keeps getting votes. And so we haven't really been able to break away. We haven't been able to extend our lead. No, there's never been a comfortable lead um, on, on the voting at all this month. But so, we have managed to stay in right. the lead. So we could make it. If you voted at vote.freetalklive.com, and of course your votes mean we stay number one. Being number one means that more new people will listen to the show and discover the message of freedom and liberty. And that's worth it, right? So go to vote.freetalklive.com. Just a few more thoughts from Jacob uh, Jacob Hornberger, Future of Freedom Foundation. He's pointing out that the judge in the Jose Padilla case, she's essentially decided that this man, Jose Padilla, this American citizen that's been locked up in a uh, military brig, 
just some secret location for four years, and then they finally took him out, charged him with a federal crime, and now there's all sorts of court cases around him. This man who was held with no charges whatsoever for a good chunk of his adult life. And the way that he was treated when he was um, being held, and while he's being held now still, is what I'd consider torture. It's desensitization, it's torturous, it's, it's sick. And she has essentially held that this man um, has no guarantee to a speedy trial. Because if you get incarcerated by the Pentagon, you aren't being charged with a crime. And since you haven't been charged with a crime, then there's no, you know, no speedy trial. You don't need it. It doesn't matter. If you're an enemy combatant, uh, then uh, none of the rules of the, the, first, uh, the Bill of Rights or any of that stuff, none of it applies to you. So she's acknowledging that the government can do whatever the flip it wants to do to anybody it happens to pick up. In fact, there's going to be another ruling coming soon where uh, she's going to rule as to, again, they've, they've motioned to dismiss the Padilla case based on the fact that he was abused and tortured while in the custody of the government. So she's going to rule, the same judge is going to rule on that particular issue as to whether or not, oh, it doesn't matter if the Pentagon is doing the abusing. If it's the Pentagon that can abuse and torture, and we've decided according to the Military Commissions Act that this is A-OK, that this is fully legal, then how could I rule against that? So we'll wait and see what she says on that issue. But Judge Cook's ruling is just one more confirmation, says Jacob Hornberger, of how civil liberties have soared to the top of importance in terms of federal infringements upon our freedom. Perhaps this is a good time to revisit the warning issued to the American people by President Dwight Eisenhower, who served as uh, who had served as Supreme Commander of Allied Forces during World War II. He said, quote, In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwanted unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Guess nobody really heeded his warning, huh? Those uh, military-industrialist types are uh, awfully powerful in Washington, D.C., and they tend to get their way. And so now, as a result... The freedoms that we've tre- uh, treasured and cherished and unfortunately taken for granted for so long in America are slipping away right through your fingers. What made this country so great at one point of time, a beacon of hope and liberty for the rest of the world, it's slipping away. We're no longer doing what we say we're based on. We no longer have these rights, apparently. Uh, the government is allowed to deem us an enemy combatant and then the, our Bill of Rights doesn't apply to us. That's what they're saying. That's what this judge has essentially said. And she's supposed to be the next cha- the balance of powers, the judiciary ba- branch, making sure that the legislature is doing their job and, and the executive branch is doing their job. And this is just crazy. When all three branches of government, you know, the original concept was this balance of powers, and it was supposed to be a good idea. And it sounds good on paper, theoretically. But when all three branches of government are populated by people that don't care about separation of powers that don't care about checks and balances, when all three branches of the federal government are populated by people that want more government, then what do you have? Lots and lots of government. You've got tyranny. It looks like the separation of powers would work if, they're, if they don't like each other. If they're fighting and if they're feuding, then the separation of powers would work perfectly. But at this point, they all love each other. They all agree with whatever the other one says, and what we get is bigger and bigger government, less and less freedoms, and a police state. And a dumbed-down population that's been educated in government schools and doesn't know any better about what's going on. They're completely oblivious to this. 
they're they're paying attention to Dancing with the Stars and American Idol and Anna Nicole Smith and Britney Spears and her breakdown and Tom Cruise and Oprah Winfrey and sports. Don't forget sports. Got to pay attention to that, too. So there's so much distraction and ooh, new gadgets they can buy. And uh, there's there's all kinds of things out there to really distract people from the real issues that they need to be concerned with, uh, because at some point here, they're going to realize that their freedoms have been just just taken away from them. And at that point, they're not going to know what to do about it. They're going to come to that realization, but it might be a little bit too late. The police checkpoints will be in the streets. Uh, there'll be They could be arresting people for enemy combatant charges, throwing them in prisons. People could just disappear. Who's going to stand up and say no? Who's going to stand up and fight uh, once it gets that bad? Once the country, once this country I think goes people that be, far down the road. I would think that that was, would be when people, would, at the very least, you'd know. Now is the time to fight. Now, what's the? Uh, but these people aren't waiting for that moment. These people are going to just stumble into it and realize, oh my gosh, my friend just got picked up for an enemy combatant charge. I didn't even find out about it. I think that uh, the Claire Wolf uh, quote uh, is very relevant here. Our government's at a funny stage. It's uh, too late to do anything about it. Too early to shoot the bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's too early to start shooting the bastards. I don't agree with her. I don't think it's too late to do something about it. I don't think it's too late to do something about it simply because she didn't think of the Free State Project. But I think that uh, from a national uh, standpoint, it's almost too late to do something about it. For, your, aver- there. for your average person, if we, this is the frog in hot water. It's at bath temperature right now for a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it might be too warm for people who love freedom and liberty. But yes. for your average dumbed down, I went to government school and do exactly what they tell me to do person out there. Mm-hmm. It's nice bath water. Yep. They don't know anything's going on. And by the time they figure it out, then the, the, the Iron Curtain will be almost completely enveloped around them. And then what are they going to do? Imagine the, the fear that we've experienced from these people that have uh, they've emailed you or they've, uh, they've sent you pieces of mail on your television show, Free Minds TV, which, by the way, our listeners can actually watch over at freekeen.com. Uh, that's Keen with an E on the end of it. And uh, these people are scared. They're frightened. You talk to mm-hmm. the representatives in the area, and they say they're afraid of what the federal government could do or might do. The, um, the people are afraid of the police and the representatives, and the representatives are afraid of the federal government. That's correct. So there's this, there's this mentality of fear that's already prevalent through those who are paying some attention to what's going on. There's the rest of the, uh, the American population that is completely oblivious. Or they just don't care. They think politics is boring. And I hate politics personally. The only reason I'm involved is because it's threatening my livelihood. It's threatening my freedom. So I'm, I'm getting involved. But these other people are completely oblivious, completely blissful. And when it finally comes dawning on them, when it all comes crashing in, that this isn't the free country they were told it was when they were in government school. When it all that all comes to a full realization for them, how far down the road towards tyranny will we be? What do you think? 800-259-9231 would love to know. Mark, you're just kind of like stunned. I, I'm thinking about um, you know where, how far are we down the road to tyranny now? Generally, my life is... Uh, is pretty free from having to deal with law enforcement officials. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while when I want to buy property or get something rezoned, I have to deal with a city bureaucrat. But, 
you know, from a national standpoint, I just don't have trouble with these people. I pay my taxes. I, um, you know, I, I, I'm of the class that I just don't have to pay a great deal of taxes simply because I have my own businesses. There's lots of right. write-offs and all that stuff. I don't come into contact with them um, that often. So, so for people like you, right, it's going to be longer. I love, I love the term the respectables. For people who are the respectables, it's going to be a longer time than those who are more likely to be targeted by the state and the system. Mm-hmm. So it'll be even, they'll be even deeper into it before they figure it out. It's a pretty frightening concept. It's been Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. We will join you again tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And I would encourage you to resist, refuse, dissent, and stand up against any sort of tyranny. Whenever you get the opportunity. Don't be silent. Because uh, eventually, that's not going to pay off for you. See you tomorrow night. Do you like to build things? Have you ever cut wood with a tool? Are you tired of poor quality goods found in the Megalomart? If you answered yes to any of these questions, woodcraftplans.com has a fun project for you to make. We have hundreds of blueprints and patterns which can help all skill levels of craftspeople make wooden lawn furniture, bedroom furniture, yard decor like wishing wells and shadow figures, rocking horses, and a lot more. Visit woodcraftplans.com today. Get a plan and start building. That's woodcraftplans.com.